Dave, it's uh, is auspicious yes. the word? It's an auspicious day at Homophilia. I don't know. It's a bittersweet and it's a joyous yeah. day at Homophilia because our uh, longtime beloved producer Kate Moldenhauer is leaving us. This is her la- our last Kate. time recording with her. It's also um, a, a day of celebration at the same time because our former producer Renee Culver is back, um, and we love her so much. Hello, so Renee, we love Renee. We're going to miss Kate so much. We're 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 also so happy to have Renee back, and you know, a lot of feelings. We have been so lucky, producer wise. Um, Kate, thank you for everything. Uh, Renee, welcome back. It, it, it's it is. It, you know, it it feels yeah, it feels. It feels bittersweet. It really is. Um, and uh, on a much brighter note, we have, um, God, a guest of guests. I was on his podcast recently. And actually, a great way to introduce him is for me to simply tilt my camera down and reveal the sweatshirt that I'm wearing that I received in the mail just today. <gasps> Character Character actress. This is the official merch of uh, That's a Gay-Ass Podcast. And we are so blessed to have the host, Eric Williams, here today eric welcome with a merch show off how blessed am i it's, it's so good uh, how long have you been uh, hawking these uh, okay i'm offended you say the word hawking as if i'm some horrible business person going door uh, no. to door no i essentially I am doing that matt and it's only been um i am a, a entrepreneur gay entrepreneur and it's been i guess only like three months now but i have to say i came out with a bunch of different things and the character actress sweatshirts are what is flying off the shelves and so i had to give a matt mcconkey one and i need dave holmes to know that any minute you have availability to come on That's a Gay-Ass Podcast, it would be an honor, and I would love to get one of these sweatshirts into your gorgeous hands as well. Listen, listen, I, 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 it's an honor to be asked. I would do it anyway. The, the sweatshirt is just the cherry on top. The sweatshirt is Consider it done, I love babe. It. I love it, and I love, I, I love that they're selling Thank well. Thank God. Someone's got to pay should. for the Ruby Slippers. Uh, he's referring, you. of course, to the ruby slippers that I think are just off camera um, <laughs> that were acquired by Wait, his husband, Matt. I just, I assumed that these were, it was like, like a euphemistic, ruby like just the things that no. gay people buy are called ruby slippers. Honestly, we should, we should turn yeah. that into something. High ticket. You know, I'm buying a lot of ruby slippers, slippers these days. <laughs> yeah. What is your ruby slipper? What is Great that? Question. What is that item that is just a little bit well, out of they, reach? That is they, well, okay. So my actual, my, let's see the, the what is. Cause you got the ruby slippers. So now what, what lands are still. What a brilliant question. I would say, honestly, my dream when I become incredibly wealthy is to buy as many $14 smoothies as I can get my hands on and mm. not worry about the smoothie yes. price. That's that's a great. And what, what's uh, your smoothie of choice? You know, I'm a girl that loves a peanut butter chocolate. I like it to I like it to say it's a smoothie, but it tastes like a milkshake. Give me a chocolate, mm-hmm. a cacao, if you will. Give me a peanut booty. Give me mm-hmm. any sort of texture. But honestly, if you tell me it's a cacao nib, but it has two thousand calories, I will not care because I'm telling myself it's a smoothie. It's a cacao nib. Mm-hmm. Swirl a bit of uh, ashwagandha listen, mushroom. Listen, there, if I'm nasty, you know what I mean? give me a superfood to make me feel good. Uh, yeah. I'm, oh, and I'm I guess with you. There's an Erewhon very close to me now, and it's it's Siren Song is 
impossible. The Erewhon journey is something I look forward to being on. And I guess in addition to that, mm-hmm. cancel me if you will, but Equinox, I think I that's a, that's a ruby slipper I would like to purchase. And honestly, I don't like working out, mm-hmm. but do I like to put Kiehl's products on my body? Sha. There's one of those uh, very near me too. Are you in the Studio City area? My ruby slipper is to live in Studio City. But I, I live in I live in a gorgeous okay. area. Um, some call it Rampart Village. Some people say, "Huh, it's right between Koreatown and Silver Lake." So I'm, but I, I just moved to LA yeah. a year ago, so I'm on my journey. Yeah, absolutely. wow! That's I didn't realize thing. that you were so fresh to LA. I'm a fresh girly. I was in New York for 13 years, and I said, "I'm exhausted. I want to put my groceries in a trunk." And here mm-hmm. I am. Oh man, what a feeling! I can't what even. Feeling. My, my one year anniversary was literally yesterday. Ah, Happy anniversary. Congratulations and welcome. You arrived on Halloween. I really oh. did. I really did. We, Yeah, well, our oh. lease started November 1st, and um, we packed up the truck, moved here. And we, we really missed all the fun Halloween stuff last year, but this year we partook. Oh, what did you do? Mm, good. Well, uh, my husband, Matt, because he has not celebrated Halloween in a big way for a while, he was Catwoman wow. and was preparing for months. I saw the telling I you, saw the Instagrams. It was incredible. Oh my god, wow. he looked unbelievable. And um, I decided to because I don't have taste in fashion. Really, I I can talk to you about God, Bravo, TV, music, gay, whatever. But like when it comes to like designing a look, I can't do. So I leaned into that, and I decided to create this mustache and then be instead of Mr. Mistopheles from Cats I was Mr. Mustacheles and then the caption was we took the Cats theme in different directions his was gorgeous sexy Michelle Pfeiffer mine was gay low budget Wow, who was Mr. Mistopheles in the movie I've forgotten do you know what whoever he was he was great and um, couldn't tell you a single syllable of his name or or did they did they was it did was that Helen Mirren? Did they like you mean Judy Dench, gender wise, whatever? Yes, <laughs> yes. Wait, Judy Dench did. Who did she? She was. Hmm. Was she? Uh, like who's the the god? Cat? I, I oh, think that's oh, Judy oh. Dench. Yes, and that was is that Judy um, Dench. That would make sense. What Ken Page did it on Broadway, and he old Deuteronomy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They sometimes say. Mm-hmm. Although I have to admit to you okay. that my Matt and I fully had a fight because he forced me to see that movie in theaters, and I went kicking and screaming. Mm. Wow! So I, yeah, I saw it in a theater also, and it, it was uh, stunningly bad. Stunningly it, uh, bad. We saw it at, luckily at an Alamo Draft House so that we could drink because that was necessary. At least you got an overpriced um, chicken finger. Oh boy, yum. Who the fuck was Mr. Mistopheles? No way to. Oh, we've got uh, incoming. Lori Davidson from Kate Moldenhauer. Lori Davidson. Also, who's Lori Davidson? Yeah, I don't remember. Also, who's Lori? Who played Lori Davidson? (laughs) Uh, Well, she's our favorite character actress, whoever she is. Lori pouring one out out of my jellical goblet over here. Mm-hmm. Out of my little water dish. Uh, (laughs) Who uh, Who are your favorite character actresses of the moment? You know, I thought Dave Holmes might ask me that because mm-hmm. I asked people that on my podcast and I needed to come prepared. Mm-hmm. And honestly, many come into my mind, but one that needs to be celebrated is Alana Ubach, 
who oh, yeah, that's is great. just a, an answer that needs to be discussed more. I mean, if you go back to Legally Blonde and you first are introduced to her as one of the sorority sisters, you're like, yeah, she is hilarious. She is creating the gay person that I am. But then when you go to present day with Euphoria, she is just so unbelievably talented and funny and deep. And I think a lot of people say Jennifer Coolidge for a reason because she's not only so funny, but you can like, you want to hang out with her. And I feel like Alana Ubach has that same quality of like such a genius actor, but also, you know, she's a good time. Yeah, for sure. A good time. Yeah. You know, and I do euphoria is a bit of a blind spot for me, but and I, I certainly in Alana, you, but I'm, when you say her name, I'm picturing Constance Zimmer. Are you putting, do you, would you put her in the same <laughs> category as Constance Zimmer? I took, you know, I think that there is definitely a, um, I, I say this like an otherness to them that they both really play well, like people that are not the everyday person you run into. But I think Alana Ubak to me is like so chameleon like that she's in her own category. Mm. Like, do you, did you ever see the movie? This is going to be a, a, a throwback. The movie Waiting about all these servers waiting tables. Yes. Yes. It was like a really like brutal look at working in a restaurant. And I, of course, in my early New York days, attempted to be a server. And I was so fucking bad. I worked at a Mm -hmm. Cafe Clooney in the West Village. And I had a lot, you know, and I really, really was a bad server. I consider myself a hard worker, a team player. (laughs) But my manager would not. They they just thought that I was a selfish, bad server. And I just, I was bad. I, I say this because a lot of celebrities would come in. And um, we would talk to we the movie waiting really I felt seen because it is such a shitty life to be a server and if you're good at it it is a superpower you have but um, Matthew Broderick would come in from time to time mm. Kirsten Dunst I watch her eat French toast this wow. is no longer a story about character actresses but now just about the celebrities I waited on but um. That movie Waiting, Alana Ubach, is so funny. And yeah, the West Village, it was... I mean, SJP was living just around the corner. Yeah, that's the that neighborhood is my ruby slippers. Same, that is, same. That's the life that I want. I I wanna I wanna be there. Can you imagine? Wait, so here's bad. my question for you, Dave. You you live in Greenwich Village. How do you envision? Mm-hmm. Like, are you walking to a gay bar in the area? Are you sunning yourself on mm-hmm. Christopher Street Pier? Like, when you vis- envision that ruby slipper life, what is she doing? I will tell you exactly what I'm doing. It's a rainy October afternoon Mm. uh, into evening. I am sitting in front of a laptop or a moleskin notebook at a coffee shop. Uh, Just inside, I'm watching people's umbrellas turn inside out. Uh, I am watching investment bankers who work on Tokyo Hours uh, jog in uh, Patagonia fleeces. Mm. I am, uh, I'm just really taking it all in and I'm maybe writing seven words. And, uh, and then the clock uh, strikes five. I, I uh, pop into a, a wine bar with a, with a fireplace. Uh, my, my partner Ben comes to meet me. We talk about our day. Uh, honestly, we probably go to Cafe Clooney for dinner. Oh, good. The food is delicious. Um, yeah, you'll love it. Yeah. We go to somewhere on West 4th for dinner. Maybe a, just a, a filthy burger at, uh, at Corner Bistro. Oh. And, uh, and then, you know, maybe we meet some friends at the Cubbyhole. Oh, my God. You know Wait, I mean? Dave. Maybe, maybe we go to Julius. Maybe it's Thursday night, 
the last Thursday night of the month, and we go to Mattachine at uh, at Julius, and uh, John Cameron Mitchell spins 45. Jesus, this is beautifully set. Can I also tell you something that um, either Matt or Dave, have you both been to a place called Art Bar in this area? Oh, yeah. Okay, so my Matt, I one day envision we're going to be doing um, a press junket for our buddy comedy, um, and we're going to be in New York, and I'm going to take you down to Art Bar, and we're going to go into the back room. It's couches galore, paintings on the wall. You're going to see a straight couple making out, and you're going to look past them because, listen, the energy, it's just they have no Mm -hmm. choice. But then we're going to have a well-priced cocktail. We're going to get tipsy and giggle. In fact, all three of us are there fetting um, the most recent Australian tour of the the podcast that we uh, uh, turn into a mega million dollar operation. Mm -hmm. However, I bring this fantasy up because my first kiss and make out with my now husband was at art bar in Greenwich. Oh, Park. come on. Oh, yeah. Very the lead there. Can you believe? Well done. Well done. Tell us uh, that's yeah, like Yeah, I mean that, that yeah. that's that's quite an image. I'm going to tell you uh, what yeah, happened. Yeah, give us the you. entire meet cute beginning to end. Oh my god. Well, yeah. so, if I'm being so honest and like dangerously honest with you is that I met my husband at an open call audition for Fiddler on the Roof. What? On an, November 22nd of 2013. We are standing in line next to each other and we're both wearing a green shirt. I take it upon myself. I say, you stole my look. Mm -hmm. Next thing I know, we're flirting. The eyes are darting. Of course, they were doing something called typing where they just look at your headshot and resume and then they tell you to leave without even being allowed to audition based on what they see because we had no self-respect and we were... uh, auditioning as musical theater actors at this time they type him out he is a beautiful blue-eyed catholic from georgia i'm at this point pretty big bearded from a show i just done jew from st louis which day we need to touch on however um they type me in i don't get cast we neither of us get cast but i find his name on the sign-up sheet directly below mine i say his name is matt lummis it's hummus with an l I'm there. I find him on Facebook. Again, it's 2013. I send him a message. Oh, sorry about the whole audition. Hope you have a good rest of your day. He's like, yeah, boop, boop, boop. I'm going to boop, boop, boop. Actually, tonight I'm seeing the Rockettes. I go work. I've never seen them. Hashtag Jew. We're off to the races, girls. I give him my phone number. I say, I have nothing else to lose here. We clearly had a flirtatious connection. I text him. We go out five days later. First date, Union Square Holiday Market. It was fine. We got a mm. cup of tea. You know, cute. It turns out he worked four blocks away and didn't have the um, strength to tell me he didn't want to do that as our first date. Mm. His communication has gotten better. It's all It's a happy ending. <laughs> However, our second date was the day after the first because I was about to go out of town for Thanksgiving. It's a rainy day, just like you described, Dave. I say, mm-hmm. we, do you, you want to go out again? I'm going out of town for a week. He's like, yeah, let's do it. We meet in um i guess it was unions oh i know we meet for oh you'll love this we meet for oyster happy hour at mermaid inn Mm. oh god damn it god damn it we drink some wine we have our oysters we then walk through greenwich village i used to work at a tea shop that had a location there we walk in and we get a couple of free cups of tea we walk holding hands down granite down bleaker street we're holding hands we go to art bar Oh, yeah, we just like it was I'm telling you like we this it was a a perfect New York night. It was a little chilly, but like it just we had a great time at Mermaid Inn. And I yeah, we just had a pretty 
gorgeous connection, I guess. And then all this to say, we get to Art Bar, people making out. We haven't kissed or anything. However, I say to him, have you ever kissed a man with a beard before? Which was my flirtatious way bringing this subject up. Thank you so much. He says, no. We feel a silent beat. A silent beat. I say, Matt, that is your cue to kiss me. He says, quote, you make me nervous. Oh. And then he leans in. And then he leans in and we kiss and we've been together for nine years. Oh, God. Ooh, sparks flying in Art Bar. Can you believe it? I mean, and that's why like Art Bar has a special place in my heart. And for friends or otherwise, it's just the... I haven't been in a while, but the energy is good. And I just... I can envision that's us celebrating our big successes and also just catching up as friends. And I just... I am willing that into the universe. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. And so it's it is. On an overstuffed couch. Mm. Yes. On a Central Perk-style couch. <laughs> um... Fan fucking tastic. So St. Louis, Missouri. Do you know the question I'm going to ask? I do, and I know the your answer and my answer. But ask me the question so the listeners can get to the St. Louis tradition. Where'd you go to high school? I went to high school very close to where you went to high school. I went to a small private school called Whitfield. Oh, I know Whitfield. And you went to Priory, right? I went to Priory just down Mason. Hello, Mason. Oh my God, this is just yeah. just devastating and beautiful. It's too much. It's too much. Whitfield, that's a good school. Thank you for saying that. I um I have a fraught relationship with with that part of my life only because well when and who who doesn't? Who doesn't? Um wait Matt did, what type of high I, well, I want to vision Matt in high school were you like the yeah. were you I, what, let me I'm gonna guess that you had four thousand people and you were like the hottest I'm one definitely not I mean it was a school yeah. of a thousand people made i mean we, we, it was tiny uh tiny the only the only it. school and I, I from a, a literal village um had a class oh sorry about my microphone i i peaked senior year 100 percent. i've been chasing that feeling ever since classic sort of geek to chic rise from freshman year to senior year was in the band, worked on the newspaper the drama club all that stuff i never like played sports or anything but um I was just funny enough to sort of befriend all of the cool girls. And that did give me an entree mm. into the larger, um, 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 you know, preps, uh, we called them back in the day, um, that scene. And I also drank heavily. That helped. Uh, and I was prom king. No big deal. <gasps> I knew you oh, were. See? I knew you were bearing something. Talk yeah. about a buried lead. Prom king Matt McConkey. It's tough. And so, what? What? What was your scene? Paint the picture of of Eric Williams at that age. You know, it's an interesting picture to be painted because I was very much who I am now, but deeply closeted. And so, you find that there's a fraught relationship between those two things because the man you see in front of you now is not a closeted man, and yet I was lip syncing Dream Girls in front of the student <laughs> body. Then hanging out with my girlfriend after she's saying, why don't you want to kiss me more? I say I'm biologically homosexual. It just was a tough and I and I always want to give props to the girl that I dated, but also to all of my girlfriend, like friends who were girls, because I think, Dave, you can probably, especially as a Priory person, there is such an air of machismo, I find, in that part of the world. And my high school was very much like. If you 
are a straight guy who plays a lot of sports and happens to have a good hairless body, you're set. Well, guess who you're talking to now? I'm a hairy Jew who detested sports, loved theater. And so I did, you know, I was like fully just doing all the, but the thing is I wasn't, I wouldn't say it was, I was prom king like Matt McConkie, but I definitely like was friends enough with like cooler people because I was funny. But like, I was so self-consciously closeted that I wanted to burst and be who I fully was, but also was having a bit of a, a darkness that, I don't think fully manifested, but I was bullied by some of those mm. douchey straight guys. And so it was a very a fraught time in my life where I had a lot of great things. I also have a twin brother oh. who were, we were in the same school and he is a straight guy who is grown up to be a truly, I mean this like a really good dad. And so he's in St. Louis. He's so sweet. He, I mean, he's just such a great guy now, but he will admit this. And I've talked about this before. He was sort of a jerk to me in high school. And so I was dealing mm. with a lot. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, Dave, were you, were, were you out in high school? No, no. I mean, well, like to a couple friends okay. I was, we, I was, so I, Whitfield's quite small, right? Yes. How many were in your class? I think I'm going to say like 70 people. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. We had. 50. Oh, wow. Um, and, and it was all boys. And most of us knew each other uh, from, like, first grade forward. I went to Oak Hill. Mm. And then, like, when that branches off to Villa, mm -hmm. the boys either go to, like, Country Day or Priory. Right. Most of us went to Priory. Uh, and my class had, like, a good half dozen gay guys in it. And we were pretty obvious. What? gay. Yeah. Um... And we and we were friendly. We were friends with each other because I mean, you know, we were like kind of theater kids, and um, uh, so like my closest friend I was out to, uh, um, but like, but you know, bisexual, right? Of course, um, because of course, um, but like, I only ever want to talk about boys, and uh, and and then there were a couple more who were sort of on like who were around our, our group who have ended up being uh, gay as well. And it was like, it was tough. Like um, I had a, a pretty decent time in high school because I kind of found my lane. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like girls liked me because I would dance. So like, so I got to like go to all the girls school dances and stuff like that. And then once like, once we all got driver's licenses and it became about like parties and stuff like that, I did, I did better, but I definitely like had a reputation for being, a gay kid. Well, the the question is um, begging to be asked, did, and not to go yeah. go blue, but did, was there any yeah. experimentation happening amongst you and these boys? Uh, no, not among the gay boys. Um, there were you practicing uh, your your bisexuality? Is that what you're saying? No, um, no, there was like uh, there were a couple of hookups, but not with any of the boys who. Good for you. I'm so. I'm, I'm honestly. I I did not come out until like the tail end of my senior year of high school. Um, the short version is that I was. I went to NYU for college, and I was visiting the college to see if I wanted to to go there my senior year. And my mom asked me in the Chicago airport during a, a layover. You know, Eric you used to get made fun of for being gay, but you haven't talked about much of that. Like, I don't know if you've been struggling. How are you doing? Which is a classic, you know, like Jewish mother trying to be helpful, but a little, a little boundaryless. But it was what I needed to hear in the moment because I burst mm. into tears. Mm. 
and told her, I think I'm yeah. gay. And it f- just flooded out of me. And then I told a couple of my friends in high school the last few months and then graduated, went to college. And, you know, the rest is history. But I did not have really any gay people in my high school that I could relate to or talk to. I mean, it really, I, well, no, I'm jealous. You couldn't. No. You couldn't. I mean, Ned and I were able to talk to one another because we were very close friends. Yeah. And and we never hooked up, which really helps. <laughs> um, and so so we had that bond, which was very very important. Mm-hmm. But then, like, yeah, telling anyone beyond that would have been suicide because you know everybody talks about everybody, and everybody's exactly the same. So if there's like one tiny difference, everyone's going to know exactly. About it, you know? Um, even in college, I was like afraid to tell people because there were people from my home, from like Priory and from my neighborhood oh. in St. Louis who might know somebody who knew somebody who knew one of my brothers or something like the idea of it getting back to my family was really scary. See that, that is really tough because I guess where our experiences balance out is that when I went to college, I was really, I'm actually realizing this right now. I, if I make a huge change in my life, like when I'm moving to New York for college, somehow within me, I know that this chapter change needs to be drastic for the betterment of my future. And I say all this cryptically because I was like, I went to college. I said, I am a gay person who I'm pretending to be super confident in that gayness. And I just like ran with it. What's contextually making sense to me right now is that moving to LA in the past year has been a huge chapter change. And I have my life here is very different from New York only because I'm getting outside of my comfort zone more. And so I think that when I went to college and was like coming out of this coming out period from St. Louis, I was so tired of coming out to people, to the friends who I hadn't given the speech to, to, I didn't really tell many relatives, but just like, I just knew it was the elephant in the room. And then to go to college and just pretend that I was so okay with myself, that was my survival mechanism. And I can only imagine like that fear of it getting back to the St. Louis people. It's just like, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's tough. And I, it's, you know, the Midwest, it's a great place, but it's also being different. Ain't, always it ain't easy. The best. No, it ain't easy. No. And, and let me tell you something. It's no easier now. I mean, like I have, I have nieces and nephews who are in the same schools that we went to wow. and, and they're, you know, they're good kids, but like I can see, how difficult it is. Like I, I, I can see how um, I can see the struggle to like not stand out, uh, play out in in you know, uh, in just the pictures they post and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Like it's it, it does seem like not a whole time. And Eric, when you arrived, were you? I mean, because I, 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 we had had parallel experiences in so many ways, except that I'm much older than you. But uh, I w- w- went you to are NYU. Not much older I, my mom was driving me back to the airport to go back to school uh, in between freshman and senior year, and was like, "We talk about all, everything except for your sexuality. How come?" It was she was basically like, "How come you haven't come out to me?" That was how I came out. But there was there was this wow. strange thing when I arrived there, uh, you know, knowing I was gay, not sure how I was going to sort of like tell people where it was just this perfect like um, um, it was the opposite of everything I'd ever experienced in terms of a social hierarchy and that the cool kids at the, the kids who were sort of. I don't know, marching into the cafeteria and all heads were turning and everybody wanted to hang out with them were the drag queens. And the, and the, oh. like, 
you know, the sort of most um, out gay people that and queer people that that um, one could imagine. And I was this like dork from the Midwest and it was kind of like, oh shit, I was hoping that this would be my thing, that I'd be the gay guy, you know? And it's like, wow, it's certainly a very dull <laughs> quality in the NYU uh, universe. Um, but in, in high school and at the beginning of NYU, I, I would say I made the mistake of like, actually like, you know, being surrounded by a surprising amount of gay people, even in high school and hooking up with friends because of just out of like convenience, desperation, it always ruins the friendship, especially when it's like, I'm actually not attracted to you, but this is just simply like the, it seems like this is the best we're gonna get. Um, so were you, you weren't messing around with guys until you got to college, I'm assuming. Ugh, I'm obsessed with this question. First of all, I, If I ever flirt with you, Matt McConkey, I hope it, you know it's from an utmost place of respect and admiration. And I just have to say, if you were in my friend group or even just like, like the, I thought you were going to say that when you were in college that you were like, because you felt like a boring Midwest person, you were like, okay, I'm going to be like the straight one, I guess, or like the straight gay out of all like the, the drag queens. But you saying that you're hooking up with all your friends is not where I thought it was going. And I definitely... Not for lack of trying, I think I maybe wanted to, but I didn't. I was a, I was a horny, newly out guy that like also wanted love. I just was wanting the world, and I was, and it was a little too overwhelming for everyone to take. And I mean that by like, here's a great example. Before I went to college, my parents gave me and my twin brother sex talks, and I, when I was, I was doing a lot of stand up for a while, and I uh, would say this joke that basically. My straight twin brother's sex talk was two minutes long. Wear a condom, have some fun, high five. My parents come into my room, and three hours later, I'm in tears because I found out an older gay man would violate my tushy, as my parents would call it, and then I would get (laughs) HIV. Um, I think my mom's exact words were something like, if you're not on prep by Rosh Hashanah, you will get AIDS by Hanukkah, which of course she did not say, but like, because she doesn't know what prep is, but I definitely was given a sex talk to like, please be afraid to touch another person. I was like, perfect. I'm never going to allow myself to express myself sexually until I'm married, which is not the real case. I definitely fooled around. And my best story is that my freshman year, there was a, a RA in my mm. in third North. And um, I flirted with him endlessly the whole year. And by the end of the year, we finally hooked up. And it was like such a great cathartic moment. I was so nervous that I was probably like a little shaky. But I ran into him in Los Angeles in this past year. He lives in L.A. I saw him at High Tops. And he told me that he asked his RA boss if he could hook up with one of his residents. And the boss said yes. And here we are. Oh, God. What a gorgeous bookend. Wow. Well, you know... what I'm grabbing from that, A, is that there was prep when your parents had the sex talk with you, which is... There wasn't. It was just a good tag to the uh, joke, but... Cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> but still, it was recent enough. But there's still no such thing in in suburban St. Louis, Missouri, in West County, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, there's nothing resembling uh, an adult gay role model. No, and that's what, you know, the only adult gay person I knew was uh, this guy, Ernesto, who would cut our hair... And when I found out that he had like a partner, it was pretty mind blowing, but there was never any 
suggestion of, there was no suggestion of mentorship in any sort of way. And I, and it's it's so tough to, to, to discuss this is that I think everyone knows this, but I feel like the need to say that my parents had such good Mm. intentions, but the execution was just like, there's like, of course you want to give your kid a sex talk before they go to college because you want them to be safe. Right. But do you want to instill the the fear of God in them? No, you don't. But I was told my whole life, just because you're being made fun of for being gay doesn't mean you are gay. Okay. Zoom out. That statement is supposed to make you feel better, right? What it's actually saying is that hopefully you are not gay. And so the, a lot of the unlearning that I've done as an adult is to see where I live my life out of a place of fear because of my actual desires maybe signal to me that I'm not supposed to have them. And honestly, I'm talking about like creatively. I mean, my podcast is a huge example of that. I, Gay Ass Podcast started like, you know, it'll be, a, it'll be two years uh, this February. And when I first put it out I was so deeply afraid that a it was bad and b that there was no reason for it to exist which I think was a lot of my childhood fears and pains of you being your authentic self out loud is is dangerous and it's been such a soulful experience and of course through therapy to be like oh wait a minute you are allowed to confidently say how you feel and who you are. And that actually attracts people to you versus you are, what you are saying is different. And like you said, Dave, being different is bad. And it's, it's just, there's so much unlearning I've had to do as an adult because of that idea that being your authentic self, which is very different from what's around you is not a good thing. And so from seeking validation from people in ways I don't need to from, and, and honestly, like, I'm sure when I was trying to hook up with people my in, in college, I'll, I'm sure a lot of it was just like the the, the want to feel mm. desired. And I I will say that a very positive thing that came from it is one of the first guys I hooked up with. He was really into a hairy guy, and I used to hate having a hairy body. I was so embarrassed by it. And um, when this guy who I thought was hot, he thought I was hot. I was like, holy shit, I am not a leper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, something's got to be done about that. So clearly there yeah. was a lot of changes that had to happen when I left St. Louis. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, that shit is the work of a lifetime. And like, thank God I'm for therapy. all of that shit. Thank God for therapy. Yeah, it's wild. Like, you never, it's never um, when, like, a kid's, you know, freshman in high school is going off to the homecoming dance with his date. It's not, it's never like... Listen, you don't know that you're straight. Right. You know, you, like you would never, don't, don't go making any declarations about the rest of your life just because you're taking this girl to dance. <laughs> just, just keep it open because you never know. You could change. Like you would never do that in a million years. That would be abusive. And yet we get But that's why, that's why I Single think the, the gift of being queer is that you, as an adult, you do not have to subscribe to what we were told is mandatory to be like a normal quote unquote normal person. And so like, it's uh-huh. been so freeing for me as like a, an adult married gay man to be like, okay, what do I actually give a shit about when it comes to like either who we spend time with or like, even just like, you know, the big questions about like having children or where you live or what, you know, like are my brothers partying on Halloween weekend wearing a, Catwoman like body <laughs> tight suit with six inch stilettos and a whip 
I do not <laughs> think so. But we are because that is how we want to express ourselves. And we had a gorgeous. Are you time. identical, by the way? Yeah. Goddamn right. Very fraternal. I'm six foot two. He is five foot four. He is straight. During our bar mitzvah, we were a full foot apart. The um, the famous devastating story is that for our bar mitzvah theme, we couldn't agree on one because, of course, I wanted Broadway, mm. he wanted sports. The tale is old as time. But um, we came to the most logical compromise, the Mike Myers film Austin Powers. <laughs> Which does, in some ways, capture the spirit of both. I think it mm-hmm. does. I mean, there's a certain whimsy. There's choreography. Um, there's also, <laughs> I mean, I don't know where the sports come in. But, it, I, but it has, it. I, I guess I'm saying it feels like a very straight uh, cultural touchstone. And at the same time, there's some queerness to it. There really is. There is camp. I mean, I can even picture right now, like the music and like Mike Myers in the purple plush suit, like doing the full choreography in like the 60s. Like it was, yeah. And, and I remember like the, the decor for the party was a little inappropriate i think my parents were very nice to like give us this bar mitzvah party it was like eric and mike's lounge there were cutouts of women in like silhouette that were like clearly like dancers in cages like what are we saying about there were circular beds with like leopard print wow. comforters on it i mean and, and and of course i was deeply uh feeling uncomfortable in my own bar mitzvah because like attention being on me as a six foot tall closeted gay kid who like had all of his baby fat and just like it was you know just like it's hard to enjoy your own wedding sometimes or like if you're hosting a party at your own home i think similarly when you're 13 you already hate yourself so much that to be in the center of that attention is 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 too stoof did you enjoy your own wedding I did. I did. You know, the only thing that I look back on that I regret is it's because like, you know, I we did the things that people like, you know, like we made time to make sure to sit and eat like they said. We like I really try to be as present as possible. Um, But I'm a dessert girl through and through. I just like if you give me a choice between a milkshake and a and a vodka tonic, I'm going to take the the milkshake if I can have edible with it. Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm like a pig and what do they call it a pig and shit (laughs) thank you matt um so i um i at my own wedding did not get barely any dessert and that's my only (laughs) regret because of course the dessert was probably pretty bomb but overall the biggest thing that would change if i were to throw this wedding now which we've we've been married for three years it was six months before the pandemic we um didn't have as many gay people there as I would have now that I've lived in LA and have met and like honestly like through the podcast made new friends and like I wish there were a few more queer people there. We did have a lesbian DJ that just turned it into insert New York gay club here. Like she she really turned it up. Um but overall very much enjoyed went by in a flash but it was very gay it was very jewy it was a gay wedding in the in Georgia or where Matt's from in Atlanta. So you know I always say we had a budget for 20 extra meals because the protester was, would be hungry. But um, it was, it was, I, I did. Did you enjoy your Oh, yeah. I, I've been, it's like after You're, being you Prime had to King, have because then it was this. And uh, everything else uh, before okay. and after has yeah. not been great, honestly. Been chasing that <laughs> feeling ever since. Yeah. Downhill. Um, so do you and Matt want kids? We do. We we are in a place right now where 
our Ruby slippers are honestly like owning a house and having kids. And I like Matt, he's luckily not in the theater business anymore. He works in marketing and he's killing it. And thank fucking God. Um, but my career, I would say is like in a, in a great trajectory and I'm excited about it, but you know, I'm not at a, a house buying place yet, but, um, the dream is to have two kids and, We've discussed, you know, we are open to the surrogacy path. If that is financially feasible, we are open to the adoption path. We, you know, we really love kids. And like my nephews in St. Louis are like just, I, I, I have an obsession with them and a very good close friends of ours in LA. They have a kid who we also lived, they lived in New York while we were there. So like, I feel like this, this two-year-old is family. So I love, I have this, I just love babies and kids and and i also know how fucking hard it is and how much of a change it is and so if i could have kids in three years i think that would be great and i just hope that we can afford them because i don't want to do a gofundme i just that's not it's not not ideal but yeah what what are the premiums on a on a kid gofundme I actually saw someone recently posted on. I'm not knocking them because I'm like, listen, if you, if you, oh, an actual GoFundMe for having a baby for their surrogacy wow. journey. It's the first time I've actually wow. seen it, but I, you know, it's just a, it's a, it, it's a, it's an interesting world we live in where there are same sex couples having kids, and if they are two, you know, people who there's a, a, no womb detected no uterus involved, then it's like, okay, A, how do we do it? And B, how do we afford it? I mean, it's like at least a hundred grand, if not like 150 grand. So like it's, it's daunting, but I think honestly, we've put it, we've put the logistics out of our head because we're so overwhelmed by it. But we do, we've talked about since like, since the first year we were together, like we want like around two kids, maybe like we, but I'm 33 and like I, I, you are, yeah, you get, please, you, you got, li- you've got so much time. You're going to be fine. That's not, and I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, you know, thrilled you're saying that because I, you know, sometimes those demons come into your head of like, you haven't done enough by this age or whatever. And I know, and I, and I do not think that I'm too old, of course, to like start to have kids or any of that. I know that I, I'm still young when it comes to, to parenting, but no, age is a, it fucks with your head. I talked about it in the therapy re- recently. It's like the, the one of the biggest things I wish we had been taught in college. Honestly, I think any person should be taught this when they're young. It's like there's not a rush to become the person you are. You are not a failure if you've created a set a, a set a goal for yourself by a certain age. In fact, doing that's probably setting yourself up for failure. And my my first therapist, who I will, her name is Fran Goldfarb. I hope sh- I. I, I don't I really mean this in the most respectful terms. I hope she's still alive. I have not been in touch with her for a while and she retired at 78 and it's been a few years. So like, I think I, I know I, I just Fran, if you're out there, <laughs> I love you so much. Fran, reach out. Um, and she always said to me, Fran, reach out if, if you are of this earth. She um, would say, let it be organic. And that's like mm. a mantra that I think about all the time, because if you as I want to do overthink a lot of things, the overthinking is not going to get it done. What is going to get it done is you putting your best foot or a foot, a foot forward and then organically seeing what happens and then take that step from A to B to Mm -hmm. C babe. So Mm -hmm. 
And the thinking that you have to do certain things by certain ages, I'm going to tell you, is the West County St. Louis talking. Whoa. And here we go. And this is, see, I'm unpacking yeah. every day. Yeah. What yeah. do you think that is? Is that those, you know, is it a Midwest thing of like needing to have? It's it's a bit of a Midwest thing. And it's also, you know, it, it's a lot of our, well, I mean, you know, you and I don't have peers because I'm a thousand years older than you. But like the, the people that we grew up with, I'm, I'm sure are very similar to the people you grew up with in that 70% of them uh, after college, like put on a tie and go back to St. Louis and do the whatever their dad did. Mm-hmm. And and they you know and then they they're old guys by twenty eight, and and they're you know like and they've bought a house for seventy five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and uh, you know and all this stuff and and like and while we are still kind of finding ourselves, you that know? really, I'm really taking that in because I. 100% and envisioning the person you're describing as being quote unquote old by 28 it clearly subconsciously messed with my head so much because I now look at myself and I'm really proud of the life that I have created but those thoughts still creep in of like but you're not an old man in your third I mean you have not figured yeah. out what you should have what you, people have figured yeah. out and that's like well actually that's a limiting belief of that you have to have anything figured out at all by any point Mm -hmm. like it's it Mm -hmm. it is a wonderful thing to be having new chapters i think and i was conditioned or maybe just like the world that we live in conditioned me to say that taking risks and new chapters are a bad thing or that you haven't figured it out in the way that you should have but like I knew in my guts that a big move across the country was going to be tough and it was going to be incredibly fruitful and beneficial. And it has been like through and through, but to get to that point took so many years of learning how to have faith in myself and the universe. And so I, Mm -hmm. y'all, this is, this is a soulful, a soulful. It is. Listen, we come from a place where the expression finding yourself is said, like, uh, derisively. Yes. Dismissively, you know, when it's actually a good thing. It is a good thing, especially if, like, what you are finding is a slutty Halloween party in L.A. It's like, it's like yeah, that's, okay, I want to find. Uh, yeah, find forget out. all these other arbitrary goalposts. Mm-hmm. That's the goalpost that you should be. If I'm not naked and Palm Springs by... <laughs> 39. I think, I you know, and none of these things that you, you, you are talking about in the long run matter. You know, what matters is that those people that you went to high school with who did go back to St. Louis and put on the tie and whatnot, that when you see them again, they will look like they're, you know, 60 years old and you'll look like a fresh, young, snatched baby. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. And that is all that really matters. I mean, Matt, we had a very good conversation about skincare on on my podcast. And I honestly, if I can take the soul of a child and be, you know, I actually think like I, I aspire to be a Dave Holmes, Matt McConkey, handsome. I just like you both are First of all, I don't want to. I, I, this whole age conversation is 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 like you guys are not. I don't think 
a hundred years older than me, but I will say that I'm not if I, that is not true. I just like, you guys are my, you guys are my inspiration. My oh, hot guy inspiration. Too kind. Uh, look, I mean, wow. Dave Holmes is truly hashtag goals when it comes to that. Because I would, I, I, Dave does have a, I mean, a, a, a all, all jokes aside, I think a much healthier attitude about it and it shows. And I think it is what is so attractive about him to so many people. Whereas I am really fighting it tooth and nail. And there's a there's a desperation attached to it. No, you're just healthy. I'm not. Just, um, there's an actual I'm, health, I don't know about that. Level that is I also want to in, invalidate that you think that there's a desperation because I am so turned off by that. Like, uh, not even a desperation, but like, there's you know what people say like about many cities, but like like LA gays are like really like superficial and like whatever it is there's like that stereotype and i've been really lucky to meet really nice people and i think like i'm experiencing of course right now with you dave and i felt it with you matt like there's just like you know when there's a genuine uh feeling coming from a person and if there is that desperation that they're only doing something for status or for climbing or whatever it is like it really can reek and matt you may feel a desperation, but it is not emanating from your... Well, well, I think that what is really working for you is that you did not move into WeHo. And WeHo isn't what it was when I moved here anyway, but like spending the first 10 plus years of my adulthood, post-college life in WeHo definitely warped my everything. And... Oh, I can imagine that. I can imagine that. There really is like... Did you see, I posted a video that Matt said about, about, you know, there's a lot of guys in their thirties in WeHo wearing skin tight clothing. And Matt was saying, you know, like, really, it's okay to breathe, like, like, like go maybe for a, flow, a flowy garment. And there were a bunch of people that like, were like, but why else am I working I on these muscles? And it's like, I totally and, yeah. get that. And I, and I, it's, and, and, like, and I, 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 and it almost seemed like a homophobic attack, what I was saying, but I think, because that is where it's coming no. from is that it, it, it's like, you know, you see guys in these like tight t-shirts and super skinny jeans and it's like baby i know you worked out today and i am so proud of you and i want that for you and i love that for you i promise if you uh, if you do that and also allow yourself a little more comfort it will all fall into place you know I had to, I had to, I've had to hear that. I mean, I recently bought new shirts recently in a size larger than I usually do. And it was a beautiful feeling to wear a garment that actually fit me. I just like, I'm at a point where I feel like self-acceptance is a very like, uh, especially Mm. with gay guys, you know, like you've got to look a certain way. You got to boo boo. And again, like going back to like me growing up and like, and like having body hair and then feeling like, and only seeing the Abercrombie bags and like only seeing like, like I wouldn't want to change in the locker room and PE class like that, that type of stuff. But I feel like there should be a course or like some sort of service, like prep is for gay men with of course you know having sex and not contracting hiv it's like huge amazing there should also be a course that is widely distributed about self-image acceptance and like and i think that it might it might stop world wars i mean i don't know if like i don't think the gays are doing the wars but i feel like it'll just everyone if they can accept how they look 
in a way in a way that really is getting to the root. I feel like that a lot of people probably are like in bad mood sometimes just because they deep down don't like a oh, part of their body. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think honestly, not to keep playing this note over and over, but I do think it comes down to there's still not really being like a plethora of options for like role modeling, mm-hmm. right? So like if you if you come out um you typically are the first gay person your family knows or, you know, I mean, not always, but a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And and so like you're there's a part of you that's like trying, I think, to like put a really good face on it in order to like be that role model for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. To like be this idealized version so that you can show every, you can show everyone that it's OK and thereby show yourself that it's OK. Where like. As now, as we all like, you know, that we will have gay old men for the first time in, you know, the next 10, 20 years, and I'll be one of them. And like, and there will be a, like a variety of like images and, and types and options mm-hmm. and models and whatnot. It won't, you won't, I, I think the young gay man might not feel as, uh, I don't know, like, um, like fr- frantic about like putting a, like a really great face on it. Or making you know what yes, I mean? Yes, from your I'm mouth to Judy's yes. ears. I and listen, I think that in a way, I don't want to toot too many horns right now, but I feel like you guys especially are the role models and the, the like in that rank those ranks of men who are creators and they're smart and they're interesting and and hot and 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 just like and really add goodness to the world and i think that i aspire for my podcast to join those ranks and my you know it's i i think that that is my optimism for the future is that okay i definitely growing up did not know a lot of people like you guys but now that there's more of it out there especially with like so much content going on in the world like hopefully people do see the the beauty in being different and like i also will say i'm talking about my podcast i think older gay men couldn't be hotter a daddy are you joking god i could talk about it for hours listen yeah man yeah oh Uh, now before we let you go who is your daddy right now like who is your pop culture daddy (laughs) my pop culture daddy right now is um I'm thinking about this because the new season of White Lotus just came out, but mm-hmm. Murray Bartlett sure. from season one is my good daddy. daddy. Great answer. It's a good daddy. Oh, it's a solid God. Daddy. I just, there's something about, I grew a mustache for this costume for Halloween, you know, Mr. Mustachelis, but um, I got a couple pieces of feedback from people who follow me on Instagram that I should maybe keep it. And so I'm experimenting as we're talking about new chapters and um, there's something about Murray Bartlett's mustache that I will leave to your imagination, but it gives me thoughts. And he is just God. He's and so hot. it's so, and it's mm-hmm. puts you in such an interesting position of um, desiring him and also uh, emulating him. Yeah, I mean, have you like he's got hairy pecs for days, and that is just mm-hmm. to. To burrow within, I'm sure, is sure. Nirvana, and you can you can 
imagine that nirvana and you can also be that nirvana for yourself and for matt uh what <laughs> cut to me trying way. to shove my own face way. between my tits the mustache is uh, I- iconic please do keep it um the podcast is that's a gay that. ass podcast wherever you can get your podcast and uh, every I, I don't know Every homophilia guest ever, I think, has probably been a, a guest on your show. There's a lot of crossover. Working but it's, on it. Um, it's, I, I don't know. I think it's the podcast is you. It's hilarious. It's also incredibly heartfelt. Um, I had such a great time talking to you there and here, obviously. Um, everybody needs to go over there, like and subscribe and uh, give it a five star review. And same for this show, by the oh way. Please yeah. give Homophilia a five star. This is the gold yeah. standard. Eric, thank oh. you so much.